Hello, welcome along. It's a brand new year. Time for a brand new episode of the Fun Kids Science Weekly. My name is Dan. Thank you for being there. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for listening. Hope you're having a brilliant 2022. This is the only show that searches out all the science secrets lurking around the universe. We leave nothing to chance. We look at all the nooks, all the crannies, all the hiding spots floating around the galaxy. Now this week, we're looking across the universe at one of the most dangerous objects known to humanity. That's us. But if it ever does hit the Earth, they say it'll almost be as big of an impact as a crash as the one that finished off the dinosaurs. Also, we'll inspect some dinosaur footprints found in the UK, try to figure out how old they are. And it's believed that they're from an early ancestor of the giant Diplodocus, or Diplodocus. And this is serious and it's amazing. You have got the chance to travel in space. You have got the chance to get your voice in space. Maybe it could be the very first thing an alien ever hears from planet Earth. Give this a lot of thought. If you met an alien, what would be the first thing that you would say to them? Here's mine. It's recording. Nice heads, but why have you got three of them? You can find out more about that in a bit. Uh, First, uh, let's get cracking with one of our favourite experts on the show. It's an episode from our Sir Sidney McSprocket series where he talks about genius inventors from history. This week, it's about William Jenkins and Lucy Hughes. Sir Sidney McSprocket's Great British Minds. Oh, hello, Sir Sidney McSprocket here. Now, I've just been writing in my journal because I came up with the most tremendous idea in my sleep and I didn't want to forget it. It was a ship made of chips. Or was it chips shaped like ships? Oh, probably the latter. Oh, I can't remember at all now. It seems like I'm the one who has missed the boat today. Now, talking of boats, I wanted to introduce you to two fascinating British inventors who both took to the seas for their creations. Our first British mind is William Jenkins. He was an inventor and manufacturer in Victorian times, and one of his creations was showcased at the Great Exhibition in 1851, a place where the latest innovations of the day were presented to the public. Now, William Jenkins must have loved to sail, and he must have loved playing the piano, because his invention was a folding piano complete with a collapsible keyboard. I mean, it wasn't obligatory to put it on a yacht, I suppose. Any tight space might do. It might sound like a very silly invention, but yacht pianos were actually very popular. Remember, the first record player wasn't invented until 1877, so in 1851, musical instruments were an important source of entertainment, even at sea. A more modern great British mind who has been inspired by the sea is Lucy Hughes. Her inspiration started when she had an idea while studying product design at the University of Sussex. Now, many of us enjoy eating fish, 
I'm very partial to a crab stick myself. <laughs> the fish on our supermarket shelves goes through a lot of different processes before we put it in our basket, and Lucy thought about all those waste materials in the fish processing industry that were just being thrown away. Things like fish skins and scales. Over 170,000 tons of the stuff every year. She could see that far from being rubbish, this waste had lots of very useful proteins that might make a very flexible material. It took over a hundred experiments, some of which she did on her own cooker. Now there's dedication before she discovered that if she added an ingredient called agar, the proteins would bind together and, hey presto, Marina Tex was created. The new material she created behaves like plastic, but, and here's the super clever part, biodegrades within six weeks. We all know how important it is to reduce our use of plastics, and so you can see how marvellous this new material will be. Well done, Lucy! So, there we have two very inspiring great British minds, and in both cases it all started with an idea. Just imagine how many good ideas get lost along the way, though. Maybe you don't have a journal like me, but if you come up with a good idea, you could use an app on your phone or a notepad on a computer to note it down. That way it'll be easy to find again. It could be the start of something great. Oh, never mind ideas. I better find some biscuits. That'll be Aunt Florence round for tea. Tatty bye for the now. Sir Sidney McSprocket's Great British Minds. With support from the Royal Commission 1851. Find out more at funkidslive.com slash McSprocket. Time to answer some of your science questions then. The first ones of a brand new year. If you heard something over the, uh, over the Christmas and New Year holidays uh, that you thought, hmm, that can't be true... Maybe that weird uncle started talking to you about things that they remember from when they were in school, and you're thinking, no, 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 there's no way that's right. Let me know, and I'll figure it out for you. If it's sciencey, leave it as a review for this podcast over on Apple Podcasts. First one of the year comes in from Luke in Brighton, who wants to know, how big is the moon? The moon is 2,159 miles wide, all around It's just under 7,000 kilometres. It's about a quarter of the size of our Earth. A quarter of the whole thing. That's what the moon is. Thank you for the question, Luke. This is from M, who is 10. (laughs) Nice to rhyme. Who wants to know, why do we itch? I warn you, when someone starts talking about itching, you'll feel like you need to scratch all over. So get ready for that. Now, the proper science name for an itch is a pruritus, a pruritus. It's caused by many different things, maybe wind or disease or the heat or something's on you. Scientists think it's a feeling that's started to make your brain aware of something outside that might harm you. We've evolved through the years to be very aware of things that could cause us pain and damage. Bugs, insects, 
a change in temperature if it gets too hot, too cold. And that itchy feeling is our brain's way of telling our skin that something's up, something's changed. Thank you for the question, M. Last one this week is from Kane, who is nine, who wants to know, why is water see-through? Now, sunlight is, is a beam of white light, and it's got seven colours in it, the colours of the rainbow. Now, some objects that are colourful, they are that, because the thing that particles that make them up absorb some of the colours in the sun's light and reflect others. So if you see a red apple, for instance, when a beam of light hits the apple, it'll suck in, it'll absorb all the other colours and only let the red reflect, only let that bounce back. So that's what you see. Water is see-through. It's transparent because it lets all the colours of light go through it and reflect off. So it doesn't have any colour, you just see the light back again. Thank you very much for the question, Kane. It's quite tough to get your head around that one. Uh, if you've got something science that you want answered next week on the show, leave it as a review for us over on Apple Podcasts. Now, we are starting 2022 with an incredible adventure. It's a way you can send your voice into space. Mission Transmission. We are creating a radio show that will travel forever through the universe. We're beaming it up there on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. We're sending it through the galaxy and it will go on and on and on. It will travel forever. Now, maybe it might be heard by an alien or something out there in, I don't know, four hours, four months, four years, maybe four million years. And you can be the star. We want you to be part of our radio show that we are beaming through space as part of Mission Transmission. If you want to get involved, it's really easy. We can go through it now and just get yourself to funkidslive.com. Right on the home screen, you'll see a big thing that says send your voice to space. You can record it. Click on that. Then you come to a screen which says send a message to space. Go through a few instructions. You need your mum or dad's parents or guardian's permission. Your computer, your phone, whatever you're using, your tablet, it needs to have a microphone. Then you say, I'm ready. The first thing you need to do is say hi uh, and tell them your name. So let's give that a go. It takes you through step by step everything that we need to know so we can send you into space, so we can introduce you to the aliens. Uh, So say hi, tell us your name. Hi, my name's Dan from the Fun Kids Science Weekly. That's done, nice and easy. Then you move on to the next one. It says, who or what do you love? You see, we want to introduce humans to aliens. So have a good think about what you would say about planet Earth if you ever met someone from space. What would you tell them about? Your mum, your dad, your mates, your school? Then you record who or what you would love. I love talking about science. I love the football team Wickham Wanderers. uh, And I love eating broccoli, quite strangely. Then you click stop on that. You move to the next one. Who would you like to be like? When you're older, have you ever thought, you must have thought about this, everyone knows who they want to be when they're older. You could give this a record. Oh, this is easy for me. I want to be like uh, Sir David Attenborough. I want to travel all around the world, looking at different animals, looking at creatures, looking at different parts of the planet. The next one you come to that we would like you to record, this is the best. Is there anything you would like to say to aliens? Give this a lot of thought. If you met an alien, what would be the first thing that you would say to them. Here's mine. It's recording. Nice heads, but why have you got three of them? Well, that's it, actually. So just a few things that you need to record there. Your name, what you love, 
what you want to be, who you want to be when you're older, and also what you would say to aliens. Then you fill out a few details, your name, your mum or dad, your parents' guardians' names, and then you're done. And then you could be part of our radio show that we are sending into space. You could be the very first thing an actual alien hears. Maybe in 4,000 years' time. It's all part of our mission, transmission, adventure, and you can get involved at funkidslive.com. I'm very excited now to be joined by a man who has uh, just been selected by NASA to join the 2021 astronaut candidate class, which I think is one of the coolest sounding things I've ever heard. Uh, Not just in our world, but probably our our universe rather aptly. Uh, Jack, how are you? And um, what does it feel like to be freshly indicted into the NASA family? Oh, I'm uh, I'm very excited to be a NASA astronaut candidate. It's just been an incredible weekend here. Uh, there's 10 of us actually that uh, uh, are part of the 2021 NASA astronaut candidate class, and they're all just absolutely incredible people from all different walks of life. Uh, and it's just, it's a really great opportunity, right? Uh, human spaceflight is just, there's so much going on right now from commercial spaceflight to the NASA's Artemis program. It's, it's an incredible time to be joining the team. I'm, I'm just... I'm really excited. I'm honored to have the opportunity to participate. Well, that, that's actually something I was going to ask you because there is so much going on in kind of space aviation from NASA to SpaceX to, you know, the commercial stuff, like you said, with, with, with Virgin and Jeff Bezos. It must be amazing to be jumping straight into the heart of this incredibly exciting, innovative period um, in, in space travel. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely true. To be part of a the the this NASA team at this point in spaceflight, uh, what an incredible opportunity! Yeah, there's just so much uh, to be excited about, uh, and I'm just really honored that uh, it worked out for me, uh, and that uh, I'm going to have this opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's I mean, unbelievable. It's literally stuff of dreams, and I'll come on to that later. But I, can I just ask, where are we chatting to you from right now? We're zooming. Are you at NASA itself? Yep, I'm uh, I'm at Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, right now. I mean, I mean, amazing. And and Jack is currently wearing the the coolest NASA. I mean, I'm gonna, Jack. Can you just describe what you're wearing? Because it's awesome. Got the NASA. I'm wearing the NASA blue flight suit today, which is uh, an uh, incredible honor. Uh, uh, NASA astronauts and pilots uh, uh, throughout the uh, time of NASA have worn this blue flight suit, so uh, it's. Putting this on is just an absolutely incredible honor, knowing the men and the women uh, that have worn it before me uh, and to have the opportunity uh, to participate in it is super awesome. I've got the NASA patch on right now. You can see uh, it's pretty, uh, I've been looking at this since I was a little kid. I was super excited uh, to get the opportunity to wear that patch. Uh, You know, and I've got my, uh, I was showing this earlier, but I'll show it again here. This is my uh, flight operations patch, Uh, all astronaut candidates, NASA astronauts and NASA astronaut candidates uh, are part of the flight operations division. That's uh, a patch they've been wearing uh, for for such a long time. There's so much history to it. Uh, it's just, oh man, it's just such a wonderful feeling to uh, get up in the morning and see the blue flight suit hanging there and be able to put it on and go to work. Uh, just what a wonderful feeling. And it looks so cool. And you look so cool in it. It's just, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. But look, let's just quickly jump back a bit because you wearing this awesome blue NASA uh, suit. I mean, it didn't come easy. I mean, 12,000 men and women uh, went through a seriously rigorous 
process, I guess, an interview process in order to become, uh, you know, you know, just the final 10 astronauts in training. Can you tell us a bit about this process that's led you to, uh, to be chatting to us today? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to talk about the selection process uh, to become an astronaut, NASA astronaut candidate. Uh, like you said, it starts off with a just normal application. They just get on the website. I'm sure lots of people saw the big press release that says, hey, if you want to be a NASA astronaut, uh, just hop on and apply, uh, which is just mind blowing that it just starts out that way. Uh, but I got on, I applied, uh, fill out some questions, put some references in, and they, you know, they kind of whittle down the group and then invite uh, about 150 into town uh, for an interview. Uh, the first round, we come down uh, with a group of people, we do some medical work, uh, we do an interview, we do some team building, uh, and then they have to whittle the group down again to a second round uh, of interviewees. Uh, and you come down for the second room, it's a whole week this time. There's even more intense medical stuff, even more intense uh, psychological and psychiatric testing, uh, more team building exercises, uh, another interview with uh, all the astronauts, uh, the NASA astronauts and the flight directors uh, and the engineers and the support teams. Uh, and then they finally come down and, and pick you. And, and each time, each step of the phase, you're like, all right, this has been a wonderful experience. I've met incredible people. I'm so honored to have it. But I know I'm not going to the next step because I've just seen the other people that are in my group. They have incredible biographies, incredible stories. And I just uh, I don't think I match up to those people. Uh, but, yeah, I think I got lucky. I'm pretty excited. Uh, they kept calling me back. And, uh, and then I got that final call that said, hey, we'd, we'd love to have you come and, and be part of the 2021 NASA astronaut class. And I was just so excited. I mean, I've got a feeling, Jack, um, luck plays a very small factor in NASA's decision-making to, 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 to pick its final 10. I mean, how long was the, from start to finish, how long was the, was the process? I think the process was intended to be six months to a year, uh, but with uh, COVID, uh, it actually stretched out to not quite two years. I think I initially hit send on the package back in February, March of 2020. Uh, and then I got the phone call in October of 2021, the final phone call. Uh, so yeah, I guess about 18, 19 months. Wow. You know, I tell you who I feel so sorry for are the incredibly talented people who got to that final stage and for like two years had been kind of dreaming of becoming an astronaut and just missed out. Oh, that must've been painful. Um, but, but, you know, obviously, as you say, it's been in a nearly two year long process. Um, but your training, the training that's about to start, or you, you may well have started it, um, in order to become a, a, an, an astronaut is going to be another two years. Can you tell us a bit about what's in store uh, in, in, in over the next two years for you? Sure. Over the next two years, training to be a NASA astronaut candidate actually starts in January for me. I got a couple of weeks uh, to go wrap up my old life before I come down here and start my new life. Uh, but it's a two-year training pro pipeline like you talked about. We're going to spend a lot of time learning the systems of the International Space Station. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of uh, a lot going on up there. And we're going to really dive into the books and learn uh, to a minute detail how all those systems work uh, for, in case we get the opportunity to go up there. Uh, we're also going to spend some time learning uh, how to fly the T-38 uh, trainer jet uh, that we operate here at uh, Ellington Field at, at NASA. Uh, and that's so uh, both the pilots uh, and the non-pilots can start working as a team in a scenario where there's challenges, there's real-life consequences in the aircraft. Uh, it's a real good opportunity to operate in a high-performance environment uh, as a team with your fellow uh, NASA astronaut candidates. Uh, another thing we're going to work on is robotics. Obviously, there's a robotic arm uh, that's up on the space station. There's lots of uh, robotics that are going to be part of uh, future moon missions as part of Artemis and potentially even further on. 
Uh, so that's going to be a big piece uh, of, of our learning uh, step as well. We also do some language training and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but one of the things I'm most excited about uh, is the uh, spacewalking training. Uh, so they're going to spend some time teaching us uh, how to get into the spacesuit. Uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are, but they have just a giant pool here. And a whole mock-up of the International Space Station is underwater in that giant pool. Uh, and they drop us in there in the spacesuit. Uh, and we practice walking around, really floating around uh, on the space station, hand over hand, uh, doing the types of maneuvers uh, that we're going to have to do when we do spacewalks. Uh, I, I'm just I'm super excited about that. I don't know how you can prepare for something like that. It's just what a what a great what a great opportunity. Oh my word! That just sounds it sounds like something from a movie. It just I mean that just sounds incredible. I mean, but also Jack, that's a lot to learn in two years. Like there is a lot to you're going to be working hard. I think I'll I'll be working hard. Uh, I'll be, I've got a solid team here though. Like I said, I'm part of ten astronaut candidates. The whole astronaut office here. There's uh, 44 of those. Uh, there's an incredible number of retired astronauts uh, that we can rely on, uh, but also NASA's huge, right? We've got these great teams of scientists and engineers and experts, the divers that work in that underwater space spacewalk practice that I'm talking about. Like it's it's not just me having to learn a lot of stuff in one year. I've got this incredible team of instructors uh, and, and and tutors and assistants and and engineers and divers, and those guys are gonna they're gonna help us through the whole way. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited about the challenge. Maybe it's some hard work, but uh, NASA's got an incredible team to help us get through it. I can imagine. Um, and once your training's done, you may get the, the chance to travel to the space station, to the moon, or who knows where, beyond. Um, is there a destination that you've really just got your heart set on that you would just love to go to? Uh, the destination that I have in my, I don't, I, it's hard to say. I, whatever NASA opportunity, whatever opportunity they give me to go to space, I'm going to say yes, please. Yes, can I go again? Uh, sure. If I get to go to the space station, that'd be wonderful. Like being able to orbit the Earth, to see see the beauty of the Earth, to see all the places around the world uh, that I've been, that I haven't been, that I want to go to, uh, to see humanity from that kind of perspective. Absolutely amazing, right? Like what an incredible opportunity. The opportunity to go to the moon, like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. That'd be just wonderful, right? There's incredible incredible people that have done that before just a small number uh that challenge would be awesome going to the gateway around the lunar surface to support the guys going down on the moon i'd love that opportunity uh one of the best things that have happened to me in my life is to be part of incredible teams uh so if i can be that guy that enables the next woman or the first woman and the first person of color to land on the moon because i'm the guy up in the gateway making all that happen i mean that would be just an incredible honor uh so I, I don't I don't have one particular destination. I want to go to space. I'm excited about it. I'd love the opportunity, whatever I can do to advance the exploration of the of the solar system. What a wonderful opportunity. Amazing. Um, I've got two more questions for you, Jack, um, because firstly, uh, on uh, February the 14th, Fun Kids is sending a message to space and it's going to be filled with hopes and aspirations of all of our listeners. And it's going to be I guess a love letter from earth and it's going to be simulcast across our station, across the nation on the, on the airways, but then sent to the stars where it will move at the, the speed of light until the, well, the end of the universe itself. And my penultimate question, Jack, is if, if you could send a message out there into space, um, what would you, what would you send? 
I guess I would send two messages out into space if I could. I would say if you're out there listening, uh, we're the human race. We're excited about exploring the universe. Uh, we can't wait to see what's out there. Uh, and then I'd send one back to Earth to say, uh, if you are thinking about going to space, if you were thinking about adventure and exploration in your life, dream big. There's so many great opportunities out there. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Put the hard work in. Uh, and and you'll get to get to have all these incredible experiences too. Well, uh, my final question, Jack, you just answered it. I was going to say, uh, you know, there's going to be kids listening right now who have got big dreams, whether that's like you when you were younger to be an astronaut or whatever it might be. And um, I was going to I was going to ask, what would you say to them about making it reality? And I guess you just answered that. I'll throw out one more thing if I can, though. Like if you please do, Jack, uh, find whatever you love. Like there's no one way to be a NASA astronaut. Uh, you can, there's some of us are pilots, some of us are bioengineers, there's physicists, there's been school teachers, there's engineers. Uh, but what we all have in common is that we found something that we loved. Uh, I've always wanted to be a pilot. I've always wanted to fly. I joined the Navy to fly. And then I was like, man, I could also be an NASA astronaut too as well. Uh, but find something you love and then work hard at it. Uh, if you find something that you love and you work hard, just about anything can happen. Uh, and uh, I'd love to look forward and watch people grow. Uh, when they're doing something they love and working hard at it. Jack, it's been uh, uh, not just a pleasure, but an honor to to chat with you. Um, you are uh, an inspiration to all of our listeners, to myself and, uh, you know, uh, everybody out there. And best of luck with the next couple of years of training. It sounds like it's going to be intense and uh, even more luck for the incredible journey that, that lies ahead after your training. Um, Jack, take care. Have a lovely day. Thanks. You too. It's time for this week's Dangerous Dan, where we look at some of the most mean, evil and deadly things in the universe. This week, it's all about what some experts have called the most dangerous object known to humanity. It's the Swift Tuttle Comet. It's the largest thing in the solar system that comes close to Earth over and over and over again. You know what a comet is, right? A big bit of rock that flies around the universe. Well, the rock in this comet, the nucleus in the middle, is 16 miles wide. And the swift Tuttle comet swings past Earth every 133 years. It's kind of strange to tell how dangerous comets are. Scientists try to figure out how close it might come to us. Now, the last time it came near Earth was almost 30 years ago, back in 1992. Next time it's going to come nearby is the year 2126, just over 100 years' time. Scientists think it will come 14.2 million miles away. Sounds miles, sounds ages, but it's quite close for a comet. Uh, Then in 2261, it'll be even closer, just 13 million years away. Experts have even figured out how close it'll get for the next 200 years, and it gets closer and closer and closer. Still a few million miles away, so thankfully it's a long way off. But if it ever does hit the Earth, they say it'll almost be as big of an impact as a crash as the one that finished off the dinosaurs. So it's nothing you have to be worried about yet, but something this swift Tuttle Comet is absolutely something that needs to go on our Dangerous Dan list. It's time to catch up with our Karina's Chemistry series right now. It's all about Karina and her superhero alter ego, K-Mystery. Karina this week is taking a look into new and innovative green chemistry. How chemicals can be used together to really help the world. It's helping to tackle the challenge of climate change in really interesting new ways. K-Mystery. Chemistry and climate. Demand for CO2 has risen dramatically with some food producers unable to package products, which could lead to short 
I don't get it. We have all this CO2 in the atmosphere that we don't want, but manufacturers and shops have a shortage of it. Why can't they just use what's in the air? Now you're thinking like a chemistry superhero. Hi, chemistry. So why can't we just use the CO2 in the air to boost the supplies that factories need? Well, we can. And it's to do with something called green chemistry. Come on, I'll show you. Um, where are we? We're inside an atom of carbon. This is where it all begins. Green chemistry involves creation on the molecular level, going right down to the tiniest particles and devising chemical reactions that create new products that have the ability to meet the goals we've set ourselves to make things more sustainable and energy efficient. They could also help reduce the amount of waste and harmful matter in the environment. Harmful matter like CO2? Exactly. Green chemists help us turn something we don't want into something we do. Chemists have found that when CO2 molecules are kept in a transitive state, that's when it's just at the point of turning from a liquid into a gas, it can be used as an industrial refrigerant to keep things cool. Lots of places need to stay cool. Supermarkets, factories where food is made, even ice skating rinks. That's so cool. Literally. Thanks to these findings, the climate impact of buildings can be reduced by around 15%. It can also replace the harmful greenhouse gases that are used for refrigerating things. And it's not just keeping things cool. The polystyrene trays you find in fast food restaurants and in the packaging of ready meals are made with CFCs, which are harmful to the environment. But it's possible to replace those CFCs with CO2. Green chemistry is helping keep tons of CFCs out of the atmosphere. And by using existing CO2, helps reduce global levels of CO2. But there are even more amazing ways it's helping solve problems. Green chemistry is helping companies make paints that are both cheaper and have a lower carbon footprint. Most paints contain a chemical called titanium dioxide. This helps the colour pigment cover up what's underneath. But it's super expensive and takes a lot of energy to make. Through research to find greener chemical reactions, chemists have developed a polymer that helps the titanium dioxide to be dispersed more evenly and thoroughly. So it goes further? Exactly. The paint's effectiveness was actually improved while requiring less titanium dioxide to make it and less water too. And if that wasn't enough, it also reduced the amount of harmful chemicals that can lead to smog, which is a dangerous polluting fog. Green chemistry could also fuel a whole new greener kind of, well, fuel. It can help us get fuel out of waste gas, something that's been rather tricky to achieve. Microorganisms can convert waste gases to fuel, but because most waste gases don't have quite the right combination of molecules, it's not always possible. Chemists 
have found a way to convert the waste without these molecules. And this green fuel creates 70% less greenhouse gases than fossil fuels. So green chemistry is all about getting right down to the nitty gritty, the tiniest molecules to work out ways to make things better. That's right, to make products more efficient and less polluting and to reuse waste. And we're back. Wow, thanks for the insight, chemistry. No problem. Always happy to help with a chemistry challenge. And online, you'll find a cool experiment where you can use CO2 to blow up a balloon. Why not check it out? Chemistry, chemistry and climate. With support from the Royal Society of Chemistry. Find out more and get hands-on with chemistry at funkidslive.com slash chemistry. It's time for this week's Science in the News. The James Webb Telescope, which is something we've spoken about for a while, is up in space and they've managed to unroll the sun shield that will protect the telescope. The next thing to do up there is to unpack the mirror, which will reflect light from the very edge of the universe back down to Earth. Also, dinosaur footprints found on a beach in Wales have been traced back 200 million years. We've spoken to people there before on the show, haven't we? I remember speaking to someone on that beach. Experts have used 3D technology to figure out who first left those footprints. And it's believed that they're from an early ancestor of the giant Diplodocus. Or Diplodocus. Also, Elon Musk has said he isn't taking up too much room in space. People have said that his satellites for the Starlink project are hogging the atmosphere. Now, this is a project that will try and get internet to places around the world that it can't reach. It's going to use satellites in space. Uh, People are worried that he's having too much room, but Elon has said tens of billions of satellites can fill the orbits near Earth. And that is it for this week's Fun Kids Science Weekly. If you want to get involved in mission transmission, our adventure to send your voice into space... You need to get to funkidslive.com. We went through the questions that you need to answer earlier on. Record yourself online and you could be part of our radio show that we are beaming across the universe forever. Also, uh, while you're online, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Apple is the best place to send me your questions, by the way. Uh, You can also listen to our other brilliant podcasts there. And Fun Kids, we are a children's radio station from the UK. Listen to us on your DAB digital radio, on that free Fun Kids app as well, and at funkidslive.com.